This is The Guardian. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly. It went from the worst game ever to the greatest World Cup final of all time. Not so much a game of two halves, but a game of 80 minutes and two minutes. And then one minute and one more minute and then some penalties. And Gonzalo Montiel wins the World Cup for Argentina with the help of Emi Martinez and his shenanigans while Lionel Messi completes football. And Argentina deserve it. At least I think they do. The first half was all Argentina. Messi's pen, Di Maria finishing off a brilliant move. He was brilliant. France were hopeless. And that was that until Kylian Mbappe. Two in two minutes, one penalty and one glorious volley. And then it had to be France. They're young players all over Argentina. But in extra time, the tide turned again. Uber Meccano with two huge blocks to keep France in it until Lautaro Martinez broke through. Lloris saved and Messi poked at home. And that really was that until Mbappe again from the spot. And then the penalty shootouts and Argentina win the trophy. We'll do a tiny bit on Croatia winning the third, fourth playoff, on Southgate staying on, but we'll mainly talk about the World Cup final because it was quite a good game of football. All that plus your questions, and that's today's Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Lars Sivertsen, welcome. Hi, Max. Exciting to be with you on such a day. Uh, Barry Glendenning, hello. Hello, Max. And uh, Philippe Claire. Commiseration, if that's a French word. I presume it yeah, is. Yeah, just, just be gentle. I'll be gentle. Okay, I'll tell you what I'll do first is I'll go to Barney Ronnie. Uh, Barney Ronnie is standing by. We've made him go to a, a disabled toilet. It's the only place where we could hear him and he could hear us. Um, Barney, uh, great to have you on. An extraordinary game of football, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, I think it was undoubtedly, I mean, you can say it's the best World Cup final ever. I can't imagine there's been a better one. I haven't seen a better one. Best one since 86. Um, and it seemed to be won at least four times before it was finally won with the last kick of the tournament. And it just had so many faces. Um, it was amazing to see Messi. There was almost too much Messi in the beginning. I kept wanting to tell him just to walk around a bit more. Stop. Save some of this. Um, but then it felt that the game was dead. Uh, right up until, I mean, you know, Deschamps, you have to give Deschamps some credit for ripping up his attack and his substitutes worked. But suddenly, on 80 minutes, Mbappe became the most irresistible footballer you've ever seen. But for the next 40 minutes, it was extraordinary how he woke up and, and really was brilliant. Uh, then we thought Messi would run again. And we, the penalties were fantastic because suddenly this enormous operatic experience just dissolved into the shithousery of Emi Martinez, which was just fantastic. His, the nerve of him at the end of this tournament to behave like that was just fantastic. I'm not, I'm not condemning him at all. I think it was brilliant. And you just knew that they were going to win when you saw him prancing around being shoved back onto his line. And I thought that was a nice way to win it. There was a really good bit at the end as well where there was an enormous huddle for a seething mass of body on top of Messi in the centre circle. And he kind of escaped. He crawled out and wandered <laughs> off. And he was just wandering <laughs> up on his own in the chaos, waving his arms. And I saw a photographer sprinting past him and they do a double take. Like, hang on, that's Messi. He sort of stopped to get his moment. And, and so Messi just wandered off. And so Messi celebrated winning his World Cup in the most appropriate way, which was wandering around on his own, um, which I thought was very happy. You probably don't like talking about yourself in these moments, but a lot of listeners are quite interested in the the process when you're working on a game like that. Do you have the Do you have the chance to appreciate what's happening, or are you just frantically ripping everything up over and over again? Yeah, it is weird like that because you you can feel this incredible thing happening, but all that you really care about is your deadline, and each goal is like a punch in the guts or 
but you're you're kind of torn between the thing that's happening and I, I would have loved that World Cup if I was watching it as a fan, but as a as if someone finding deadline it was absolute torture <laughs> listen we'll let you go because the audio quality isn't stunning from uh, uh the toilet that you're currently in uh, so you, you may leave barney but thanks for coming on mate thank you i might stay in here for a bit it's nice it's large um, and yes. it's spotless you know you cannot fault if you're still there in a week uh, we'll get someone to rescue you thanks mate all right cheers bye now Barney Ronnie there. Um, Philippe, I'll come to you first uh, with a question, which is, would, would you rather have just lost 2-0 and limped out or take it all that way? And, and, I, and I understand we are speaking literally, I don't think the trophy has been lifted yet. If I'm trying to project myself um, five hours, five days, five weeks from now, when I possibly might have calmed down, but I'm not so sure, I think I would probably uh, have it, that way than the other one uh, because it was quite a humiliation really for the best part of um, you know 80 minutes so to have it happen like this is is very cruel and hits hard but i'd rather you know we saw at least something from france that we were hoping they would show and and they showed it and my goodness how they showed it these young players they were absolutely magnificent absolutely magnificent and so, yes, to answer your question, actually, I would rather have it that way, even though in the yeah. end it was cruel. Barry, that was an insane football match, wasn't it? I, I just don't know. I just don't, I don't know how to sum it up at all. I thought you did a very good job in the introduction, to be fair. Uh, football, bloody hell. Like, um, as you say, it's, it's, we're recording this very quickly after the final, and I, I haven't had time to process it, but for. 70 minutes, it was just one-way traffic, or longer than 70 minutes. I think uh, France had their first effort on goal after 72 minutes. And you're thinking, well, maybe it's the virus that's been ripping through the camp, and or maybe they're just having a collective bad day at the office. And what what transpired was the greatest game of football I've ever seen. On the biggest stage, the football has to offer and for all the players involved and the two managers to serve up that kind of entertainment when they must be under the most overwhelming pressure is is just incredible uh i, w- I wanted argentina to win to be honest but i feel really sorry for france because even though for seven or uh, 70 minutes they did nothing I, I now think they couldn't have done done much more. It's just remarkable. I mean, that is true, isn't it, Lars? That the difference between, you know, original France and then new look. I've no idea what formation this is. I, I you know, I, 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 I I'm not sure all the players <laughs> no. knew either. It was a little bit chaotic towards the end, but no, you're right. They were so meek uh, in the first half uh, and before the subs. You wonder how because we don't know the exact medical information, like how ill various players have been. Quite a few of them looked like they'd been recently sick in in terms of the efforts they were putting in. Maybe they were just tired. They played a lot of football, some of these guys, but they just had nothing. And Argentina were, you know, in midfield, they were chasing them down like a pack of angry dogs. And and you could see, you know, good players' touches were deserting them because they couldn't get anything going and they just had nothing at all. And then Deschamps makes his big move. He takes off Giroud and Dembele and uh, and, and you get Colomani and Marcus Duram coming on. And, and, and I don't know if that really made a huge difference uh, to begin with. I think the subs after 70 minutes when Kingsley Cuomo comes on and Kamavinga comes on a left back kind of makes a bigger impact. And it's the penalty that 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 ignites people. And it's, it's an incredible example of how much belief matters, I think. Because once you get the penalty and you go, hang on, actually, we may have had... that. that I think that was their third shot in the game. But you're still you're suddenly just one goal goal down, and you have ten minutes to do it plus extra time, and you could see the, the way everyone just kind of perked up and suddenly started believing. And I mean, actually, there were there were. I'm, I'm trying to work out what the right order to go in is with this game. Maybe we work backwards, Philippe. The penalties, you know, Argentina's penalties were better, and Emi Martinez saved one, and 
shit housed Jermaine into putting it wide, and yeah, I, that was actually disgraceful. I, I'll say it. I, it was absolutely disgraceful, and I do think that the laws need to be looked at to prevent that kind of thing ever happening again. It's not the first time he's done it. He's done it regularly for his club and for his country. And um, that was not particularly pretty, I must say. Uh, he's not in my, you know, he's not on my Christmas card list, that's for sure. No. Neither is Cristiano Romero, more about with about who later. Yeah, I mean, pe- people will suggest that's sour grapes from a Frenchman. I don't know if anyone else agrees. I, I-, I, I just thought it was really weak refereeing. I just think it's really weak refereeing when he does the thing with the ball. He threw the ball away, for, for Christ's just, sake. Oh, just book him. There's absolutely no earthly reason not to book him for that. And you, you give him a telling off. It's like, oh, yeah, that'll stop him doing it. It just means he can do it a couple of more times without getting sent off. It's, it's, I I thought that was very weak refereeing from a referee who otherwise I thought did did well generally speaking throughout the final. Meanwhile, uh, Messi's penalty Barry was pretty sublime in a World Cup penalty shootout, wasn't it? Well, I, I thought he was going to miss because <laughs> it was just <laughs> so coolly struck and rolled down, not quite the middle, but not not to a corner either, somewhere in between, and. But I, th- I think he knew exactly what he was doing uh, because in the penalty he took during the 90 minutes, he did the exact much the same thing, just waited for Loris to, to move and then put it where he couldn't get it. And uh, just remarkable calmness under pressure. From a player who's probably his main weakness is his penalty taking because his, his record isn't particularly good. Uh, he didn't have many weaknesses, but that would probably be one of them you could identify. And, you know, again, the pressure, they're all under pressure, but he's under more pressure than, than his teammates. And uh, so hats off to him. It, oh, God, I'm, I'm still struggling to just think coherently. <laughs> it's it's not really... I did like that they put him up to go first. None of this sort of Neymar doing the fifth nonsense, just put Messi to put the first one away and he just went up and did it. You got to credit Mbappe with scoring three penalties in the game. I think that's impressive. I was going to say the real hero of the penalty shootout is for me, Kylian Mbappe. That's the way I will remember that because, you know, you have to remember what happened against Switzerland as well in the Euro. He missed his. Um, and in this particular case, against one of the best, a, a shit house, yes, but one of the best penalty uh, specialists um, as keeper in the world game. Um, he kept his cool and did everything he had to do. I mean, I really think we're going to talk more about him, I hope, because we're going to talk a lot about Messi, of course, but for for Kylian Mbappe, I, that really is not just like the second player to have a hat-trick in a World Cup final. That's really a coming of age. Uh, that's, yeah, I'm here. I'm I'm the best. And he is. For a second, I, for a second flip, I was going, I was going, who was the first? And then I go, oh yeah. I, do, I do, do you remember, remember Max now? <laughs> <laughs> Could I just ask Philippe, um, I know you're very angry with Emmy Martinez for his antics during the shootout. Would you feel the same if Hugo Lloris had done similar? No, no, I, I, I wouldn't feel angry at all. I would feel very grateful for it. <laughs> Barry, that goes without saying. Uh, but that doesn't mean that my point is not valid because if I were very happy at Hugo Lloris, who is not the greatest on penalty kicks, he's not the worst either. If I were very happy at Lloris doing it, it still wouldn't mean that my point about this kind of shithousery being totally out of order being correct. It would be totally out of order and I would completely love it. It's like the same way, the same way that, for example, to go back to Christian Romero, I don't know what this guy has got, has, has got on him, this kind of invisible cloak. He should have been sent off twice. And uh, he, he has this thing. He, he manages. There are players like that. Claudio Gentile was another one. Uh, Casemiro is one. Uh, Poulsen was another one. These players know how to be complete shit houses and brutal ones as well, and walk through the raindrops, which is amazing when you had a referee which for once was an ex-player and knew exactly what was going on. But he could do it. He could do it. Can I take us to the last minute of extra time, Lars? Where we have this incredible moment where Colin Muami has this chance. It's another brilliant save from Martinez. It oh, goes God. to the other end, and another Martinez has that header. It was it was a wild minute of football, wasn't it? Yeah, we're going to obviously talk about Emi Martinez's penalty saves, but that was a huge save as well from from poor Colin Muami, who I really felt for in that moment. He also had that headed chance uh, that that nearly crept in, and 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 for a player who. 
you know, who's made an impact. You know, he's the one who who won the uh, penalty, if I if I'm not misremembering that. And he was someone who wasn't in the original 26. Like he he was only called up to the French squad when Nkunku pulled up with injury. He's not young as some. He's 24, but he's one of the sort of breakthrough youngish players in the Bundesliga this season. I really don't think. He imagined this summer that uh, his uh, 2022 would end with him playing for France in the World Cup final. I think you would have gotten very long odds on that. So that would have been a great story if he'd have been able to win it for them. Sadly, he wasn't. Well, sadly for him. But uh, a huge save for, for Martinez and, and really sort of defining moments. And also, again, feel sorry for money. I also felt a little bit for Lautaro Martinez, who's just gone full Iguain. Like, this was this was Iguain 2014 all over again. Like, he just... He, he looked like he might never score again, which is really weird given how good he's been for Inter and how good he's been before for Argentina. I think you actually have to credit Argentina back because as soon as it went to extra time, or even once France got to 2-2, I just thought looking at the energy of that French team, there was no way Argentina were getting back. And actually, not only did Messi score, but they had those two chances where Uber Meccano made the, a brilliant block and a, and a brilliant tackle. So Argentina probably shaded extra time as well as comfortably winning the first 80 minutes of this football match. Yeah, they. I mean, the first period of extra time was quite quiet. Not much happened until just before the break. And it was like someone had flicked a switch and Argentina sparked into life. Upamecano had that brilliant block on Latoura Martinez after he'd been played in by Messi. Then um, Martinez was played onside by Camavinga. But he couldn't steer his shot on target under pressure from Upper Meccano, who, who rode to the rescue again. I can't decide whether Lautaro Martinez played really well or really badly when he came on. Because <laughs> he, he didn't score, but he wreaked a lot of havoc. And he, yeah. he was obviously instrumental in the goal where Argentina went 3-2 up. His shot knocked Hugo Lloris off his feet and, and Messi then knocked in the rebound. A uh, bit of a little bit of a Jeff Hurst moment there, but the ball definitely crossed the line. <laughs> um so, yeah, and, and Lotero Martinez, he, he went close again towards the end of extra time where he sort of got through, was stopped, and then got through on goal again. But um, Lorries denied him. I think it was a fairly feeble effort, if I recall correctly. But uh, I, I think Argentina, on balance, just about deserved it. It's funny. It feels like there were, there were two games, two almost entirely separate games here. The, the the first game that was played where Argentina were, were far superior to France and looked like they were cruising to the trophy. And then after the penalty to, for, to make it 2-1, it all just went crazy and a completely different game of football uh, took place. Now, I would just want to say this because I want to flag up just how good Di Maria was in that first game that we, all, that, we, that, that we almost don't remember. And I think it's worth pointing that out, not just because he's just routinely slandered by British pundits who seem to hate him for some reason, but he was absolutely magnificent uh, when he played out on that left flank. And that, that was a move that really paid off for, for Scaloni. Uh, during this first game when it looked like Argentina were going to win this comfortably. We're writing the script as the game's going on. There's an excellent question from producer Joel, who I'm throwing completely under the bus now. He wrote, at some point during the game, after the semi-final, Philippe made the point that Mbappe hadn't been good for the last two games. This was the third in a row where he'd been pretty absent. <laughs> <laughs> Are, you disappoint- Are you disappointed, Philippe? He was absent. Yeah, He had absolutely no service. Uh, and of course, he was... Um, not being a player who is a, a natural um, tracker, backtracker, um, fighter for the ball and the rest of it, he was obviously completely out of the game. He had barely any touches. And things changed when um, when Didier Deschamps did something that actually a few of us thought he would be doing from the beginning, which is basically to put uh, Kylian Mbappé in, in the middle and have Marcus Thuram uh, on the left which of course meant not using Olivier Giroud at all. There was talk about it being done, by the way, before the final, uh, so I'm told, but they decided against it. But very quickly when he realized that this wasn't working, no, Kylian down the middle. And then and then you saw the real Kylian Mbappe, but th- which is exactly, well, what's new about that? He doesn't take part in most of the game. You know, if you watch him play for PSG, of course, when he receives the ball, he will try things, he will do this, he will do that. Otherwise, when his team is dominated, he disappears completely. And I mean completely. So it's good to have him and Messi in the same... I mean, people talk about PSG having these two guys that 
just don't really do much until the game comes to light. But then afterwards, I, wh- what happened? Um, I think, I mean, his second goal, I will watch on the loop because it is just a thing. It is just pure poetry. Uh, the, the balance when he strikes the ball. Even though, I mean, I know Martin, is it Mart- Martinez actually does touch it just a little, a wee bit, but the power is such that the ball goes past him. Uh, and then afterwards, you know, you see the real Kylian Mbappe, but you see the real Kylian Mbappe because you also see other players who are doing fantastic work. And Marcus Turam did, um, Randall Kolomouani did as well. I thought, honestly, one of the stars for me from the French side was, was Kamavinga playing out of position, was simply superb. And he's going to be, I mean, he's our, he was our youngest ever World Cup finalist. He's going to be an absolute fulcrum of the team, just like Jude Bellingham is going to be for England. Absolute. And, and there were others who suddenly found more resources and uh, more power in them. But, uh, and, and the way he, th- those three penalties that he, he put past Emi Martinez, again, I don't think you can over, um, I don't think you can overkill the lily here. It's it's a it's a big 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 player, and people had been asking questions about him, if you can believe that from somebody who is already a world champion, but thinking you know okay he was a world champion beat Croatia yeah okay fine, and this is different. This is when his country and his team really needed him, and he was he was simply magnificent, and he's the golden boot of the tournament, isn't yeah. he? I had a fiver on Giroud. That that didn't that didn't turn out so well, didn't it? Well, I, we we're just recording this just after the final whistle, where basically we're still waiting. It's almost like you've just stopped the gas under the bubbling stock, and you're waiting for all the bubbles to go down so you can taste it. And we can't yet. It's too hot, but we're talking about it. Yeah. Well, look, what we'll do is we'll pause for a second and we'll uh, uh, pick up. Still talking about the World Cup final in part two. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Um, we should, last talk about Lionel Messi. I mean, this is such an extraordinary achievement. He scored twice in this game. He also played a pivotal role in that beautiful second goal for Argentina as well. Those two touches were just tremendous. We got a good question from listener Jack Dolan who asks, does Mbappe fire Messi from PSG now? <laughs> <laughs> the, the directeur sportif will be most displeased with how this game transpired. No, it was amazing and... I, I, it, it, I'm just on a personal level delighted because I think this World Cup finally puts to bed the whole well Messi can't be the best ever because he hasn't single-handedly dragged Argentina to a World Cup like Maradona did I think you'll find he has you know he, he this not was single-handedly like, not single-handedly there were many well, other magnificent performances well, Maradona also had good players around him doing a lot of running like the Leo Messi did here right not, not, not as many alright not as many alright fair enough you, yeah. I Okay. I, I I think Scaloni deserves credit for uh, uh, five, making it work in a way that the other Argentina coaches haven't done. I think Argentina are a really interesting case of growing into the tournament. I think you can make a case for them uh, playing better every single game than the game they played before in this tournament. I think that's true. And I think it's interesting how they just kind of found the team as the tournament went on. And, and you'll notice that, you know, Enzo Fernandez and um, Alexis McAllister and uh, and Alvarez up front, neither of them started the first game against Saudi Arabia. But actually bringing, those are all pretty young guys uh, with fresh legs who run around a lot. And that sort of gave them what they needed around Messi, I thought. And and he's was absolutely magnificent in this game as he has been throughout the tournament. And they did what Spain did in uh, 2010, by the way. Yes, lost the first game, yeah. Yeah, and won the tournament. Well, that Saudi Arabia defeat feels a long time ago. I mean, it it, it feels fitting, Barry. You know, for, for sort of, I don't know, for 10-year-olds now, they won't get goals videos, will they, like I did. But, you know, like for, 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 you know for when you get obsessed with football when you're a kid and you start reading about the history of football before you really understood it and you really, you know, you just watch anything and just, like, consume it in this sort of it all that matters way like i think it's it's great that messi will have won a world cup to kind of round off this extraordinary career yeah i mean it's a source of great personal regret that when i started taking an interest in football johnson wilson hadn't yet written inverting the pyramid so i feel i could have (laughs) laid more solid foundations Sorry, what was the question there exactly, Mark? Are we still, are we still rhapsodising about Messi? Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, I think this pod needs a good five minutes on what this means with, for Lionel Messi, and you know, because because it it means a lot. Right? <laughs> no, I mean it's it's a huge personal milestone. He has he has finished football. He's completed it. He's uh, won the World Cup. You know, it, it'll be known as the Messi final, even though there were other outstanding performances. Uh, from Angel Di Maria and and Alexis McAllister in particular, I thought he's he's the all-time record appearance maker in World Cup finals with twenty six appearances. He's the first player ever to score in the group stage, the round of sixteen, the quarter final, the semi final, and the final of the same World Cup. And just just looking at pictures of him, you know, still on the pitch with his, I presume there is kids. He just looks so. Happy, and he at the end of the game he wandered down. He was trying to pick out his his loved ones in the crowd, and you know when the montages are done, uh, he he will be the pivotal figure. And um, yes, let's let's all spare a thought for that poor Croatian centre. <laughs> <laughs> but it's extraordinary, Philippe, that you know he's. I mean, I know you know footballers are getting older now, and and like you can be still elite at 35 but to be 35 and to play you, in, you mean like Olivier Giroud exactly uh, that's what you meant yeah. yes but to, to play in that way right for a World Cup winning side and maybe it's easier to do it for a World Cup winning side than a, a Premier League side or you know a, a you know a, a, clearly he, he could do it in that league and still does in Liga. to just dip in and out of games like you've got something else on <laughs> Like you know, like you're sort of you know you're making dinner and you go, hang on a second, yeah, I'll be back. You're just playing the piano and you go, I'll just do some more football just for a little. You need me now? Yeah, okay, got to get back to the kids. Like that is sort of extraordinary. Like there are so few footballers who have that license and who and who like are good enough to like legitimate legitimize their place and do that because there are no other footballers like him. It's very difficult to understand the uniqueness of a player who is playing in your in your era. It's extremely difficult. It's only, like, for example, the whole mythical thing about Pelé was mostly built after his best years. He was not at his best in 1970. He was at his best in the early 1960s. And it's the 1970 World Cup, which because it was so prominent in it, but it was not at the highest level it'd ever been at, that people started to think, wow, this guy is football. Um, there are counterexamples. I mean, Diego Maradona in 1986, of course, Michel Platin in 1984. But I, I, I don't think we should be, you know, there's, there's no debate to be had uh, anymore. And um, because this was also, for him, it was a big chance to do it, but it was a big chance to fail, wasn't it? Can I ask about Maradona? Because obviously was, I was sort of seven in '86. So I don't know if like my entire tactical brain was established. Many would argue it was, but but like, did Maradona play in the same way to mess? I mean, I know they have so many similarities, but Maradona, Maradona didn't like when he won the World Cup in '86. He wasn't just hanging about saying with a cigarette and going, "Oh, I'll, I'll do some football now." Was he much more involved in the whole play? He, he was involved in the whole play, and he was involved from the very first game, which I think was against Bulgaria. Uh, which they won 2-0, and he was involved from the very first game, and he was absolutely crucial in everything that they did from A to Z, which is why it remains the greatest performance by an individual at a single World Cup. It doesn't mean that what Lionel Messi has achieved is less than what Maradona has achieved. Because the, the other thing as well, physically, everybody was dropping off in that game. He still managed to find the energy towards the end of the game, and in extra time as well, to be decisive, which is extraordinary. And he's, you know, he's, he's, he's the flea, right? He's, he's a tiny guy who is very solid. I mean, he took one hit from Upamecano, I think, in the first half, and you think anybody else would have been flattened by that. Nope, just goes up and bounces off like he's made of rubber, and he carries on. No, he's just, um, he's just unique. Uh, I, I don't like absolutely everything about him, as you know, Max. Um, yeah, because we, we should also perhaps, perhaps, you know, we should... Please do, please do. Because, you know, every every human is that you you treat them for their whole being, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And and there are things which grate a little bit, like, he, you know, he's become the face of Saudi Arabia 2030, which honestly doesn't have to do. 
uh, he's been the face of uh, PSG and QSI for a while, but so has Kylian Mbappe, by the way. So, as in as everything in this World Cup and in contemporary football, everything is a little bit tainted or shaded. But when you come down to the actual football, all you can do is be grateful that you've seen in your time and in the flesh for all of us, I believe, one of the greatest ever footballers. And of that, there is absolutely no doubt. And, uh, you know, he is that the, the fact that he wins the World Cup or not doesn't make him greater for me. He, he was already in that particular pantheon. But I suppose for his role and his status in Argentina in particular, this is very important because he's done what Diego has done as well. And he's done it in his last tournament. I mean, that's pretty special, isn't it, Max? I would like to, having just written them off as a bunch of cloggers, I think we should, it should be acknowledged that his teammates deserve some credit for the fact that he can find the energy, like you said, towards the end of the game, because... It's the extra miles a few of those players, particularly in midfield, put in that allows him to walk around quite as much as he does. Like It doesn't become a problem for them structurally, defensively, because they all understand this is the extra work we have to do so that Messi can do his thing. And that, in turn, is what might allow us to win this tournament, which is what transpired. And I think, again, I might have said it earlier in the pod, I think putting in Alexis McAllister, putting in Enzo Fernandez, younger guys who can just run and who have the energy to do a bit of extra so the Messi can be Messi. I think that's a huge part of why they ended up winning the tournament. I also thought it was great to see when we've seen him at tournaments with Argentina, not so much in the Copa America. It, it is a recent development. It is a development that's happened gradually. But to see that he's completely on the same wavelength as the rest of the team. Because often with Messi, and this was a frustration with the international team, is that you can see he's obviously incredible. And he has scored a lot of goals for them. And, and there have been good moments. But often he's been a bit of a man apart, you know. And there's been a sense that he's not quite on the same radio frequency as the rest of the team and there was none of that at all now you know he was completely integrated into this group and everyone completely understood each other and that hasn't always been the case it was really uh, enjoyable to watch throughout the tournament uh, Nathan says has there ever been a McAllister with more freedom to do what he wants since Kevin in Home Alone 1 <laughs> uh, um, uh, I, 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 that was arguably for the first goal his pass actually Barry was was perfect wasn't it uh, for for Di Maria and I, I like we've had lots of Brighton fans getting in touch, just being so overjoyed that they have a player, you know, has won the World Cup. Are they sharing a ground with Gillingham twenty five years ago? Yeah, it's incredible. Um, and fair play to Brighton for extending his contract uh, not too long before the tournament because he's certainly uh, increased his value by a huge amount. He was outstanding tonight. Like he was the player of the certainly the first seventy minutes, and his role in the second goal, the you know the vision and the perfectly weighted pass, uh, just the awareness of what was going on around him was outstanding, and yeah, it does seem weird to, to think that Brighton have a World Cup winner in their squad, but uh, we we know how canny they are when it comes to recruitment um, and I'm sure he'll have a very enjoyable time of it once Chelsea get their hands on him <laughs> yeah, Martin, Martin says should Argentina have taken off McAllister so he's fit for the Carabao Cup quarterfinal at the Valley on Wednesday on Wednesday <laughs> Alex says Rabio rips off the Scooby-Doo villain mask to reveal Rabio is Rabio is Rabio all along. I, I thought he actually did okay, Philippe, didn't he? For for those for that French of the French eleven who started, none of whom covered themselves in glory, I guess, until the 80th minute. I, I think the only uh, the only ones who uh, from the ones who started who had I mean apart from Kylian Mbappe, of course, who's in a special category of his own. I think Upamecano actually had a good game. He was there from the first minute. Was one of the few who was. When there was serious leakage at the back, he was there too with his. Uh, <laughs> when actually it was a bit like a a a, a brush and a pan, honestly, because there was <laughs> it was just ridiculous. You also have to remember that Rabiot, like quite a few other French players, was recovering from a pretty nasty virus. And when I mean nasty virus, it really is a nasty one, and which might explain what happened because what you do need. Uh, which state they're going to be in tomorrow, by the way, I've got no idea. Because they obviously started, they were not at a normal physical level. And they were taken 
um, you know, they were surprised by the intensity of the Argentinian pressing, which was not in evidence in previous rounds, and which is normally something that they do pretty well themselves and were incapable of responding to that. And Rabiot was one of those who, you know, lost a number of balls. But, it, you know, others had far worse games. I mean, my goodness, Porteo Hernandez, he won't want to watch on that any longer. But he was also diminished physically. And that was true of, of many others. And then afterwards, the adrenaline comes up. I mean, everything changes because there's this penalty. Mbappe scores it. And then suddenly, wow, there is something which happens, which is um, like having a Sambuca uh, on the way back home when you think you're completely gone. And then suddenly something wakes you up. Oh, God, it's been a long time since one of them. I'd be very disappointed. Great tweet from Sir Jeff Hurst, who says, many congratulations to Mbappe. Whatever happens, I've had a great run. And just, just whatever happens to I me, mean, just in case I get another game and, and I get another World Cup final, I, I get four from Sir Jeff. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I think it was, uh, you know, he might not win. I won. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a very good point. But um, I just have watching the presentation in the background here and FIFA have rather callously forced Kylian Mbappe to pose alongside um, Emmy Martinez, uh, Golden Gloves winner, Leo Messi, uh, Golden Ball winner, and Enzo Fernandez, young player of the tournament, for a, a, just up on the rostrum for a little photo shoot. And he's gamefully trying to smile, but uh, not really fooling anyone, I think. Do you know what? I do think if you've already won a World Cup, the pain can't be as bad you know if you're Hugo Lloris or like those French players who won four years ago you might you know it's it's probably a bit like we chatted to you on the radio Philippe before you're, you're wagging your finger at me like I'm, I'm, wa- I'm like wagging I'm, I'm, just, I'm wagging. I just signed a deal to, for, to be the face of Saudi Arabia 2030 carry on no no I was going to say for example I would say it can hurt more oh really yes I mean I don't know England never won a World Cup <laughs> No, yeah. when the players, you talk to the players who won the 1998 World Cup and you talk about losing the 2006 World Cup and penalties, they will say that what they remember is the hurt of the 2006 uh, loss to Italy. It's it's the way winners work. And, and for the Deschamps, I think it will be, even though this tournament in some ways has been his masterpiece, and I, I, would, I would be quite happy to... to you know, as as someone who has not been his greatest fan over the years, but I would be quite happy to defend that thesis. Um, he must be, he must be hating it so much, and and the fact of winning it in twenty eighteen won't change anything to that. Yeah, as producer Joel says, still still nice to have the choice, isn't it? Yeah, but but that's why that's why he, that's why he's a winner, and that's what he would tell you is that because he absolutely hates it, he absolutely hates it with a vengeance. As does Thierry Henry, Patrick Vieira, all these people. They absolutely hate it. Uh, Jim says, anyone else feel Scaloni was a little underdressed for the World Cup final? Didn't ultimately matter. Uh, I noticed the BBC went full suit. I was on the BBC. You were on ITV, Lars. Did they all dress up for the occasion? Uh, are you coming to me for sartorial updates, Max? Well, I'm not asking you personally <laughs> what you're wearing. I'm just asking what you could see. I didn't register <laughs> and I don't care what they wear, really. No, uh, I, But I, there is... Before we depart the subject entirely, I do wonder, is it necessary? Because I've been watching the ceremony as well whilst we've been recording this. Is it strictly necessary to force the losing finalists to go up on the podium and do the whole thing? I mean, really, that feels to me like something that's been, you know, put together by events planners who who have even less understanding of, you know. I think one of the cliches is if you are the losing team, you have to watch the winning team get it to go, remember this, because next time... We'll get out there and we'll win. And actually, what's interesting about the French, Philippe, is like I saw, uh, and we'll talk about Gareth Southgate in, in part three, but, you know, I saw Henry Winter tweeting, you know, England have to win the Euros in 2024. No excuses. And I'd say one excuse is, look how bloody good the French are. They got five of their first players, first team players out. They've got these young players. Like the, the, the future for France is very bright. It, it is very bright indeed. And, um, and, and, and you saw it, uh, you saw it this evening, uh, this afternoon. This I don't know which time of the day it is. To be honest, I'm 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 still processing, as they say, and it's not very easy. It's fine. Well, it is fine. It's it's nothing. It's just football. But um, when you look at you know, uh, you've got Kylian Mbappe to be your main attacking threat for a while. Uh, you can see Marcus Thuram and 
Kolumwani uh, uh, coming through. Uh, you've got Kamavinga, whom I maintain is going to be one of the fulcrum of this team going for, for a long time. And there's there are an awful lot more. So it will be more of the same. It will be more of the same, I would imagine. And Deschamps is going to carry on. And there's nothing he's done in this tournament that indicates he shouldn't be carrying on uh, for Euro 2024. I, I, w- I will maintain that it has been his finest tournament in many, many ways. But in terms of managing the group before the tournament, when everything was going wrong, during the tournament, uh, his in-game changes have been inspired. Um, we were talking about you know, the fact that he, he made a big decision. I think it's the first time ever as a French coach that he did what he did, uh, Max, as in decide on two changes before half time, which is a very more in your Yeah, yeah, huge move, yeah. And yeah. and which normally he wouldn't do, but he, he could see what was going on and he thought, no, it, we can't let go. We, and, and who do you take out? You take, well, Dembele was an easy choice because he was lost. Uh, he had lost it and he was lost. But Giroud, as last we were talking between ourselves, Giroud had done nothing wrong. He just had no service, but he thought, no, we must re-energize our game. And the only way to do that is to bring Marcus on to Ram on on the left and, and have Bappe on, on the on in the middle. And it worked. And and then the other changes he did, Coman was great coming on as well. Kamavinga was excellent. So he got absolutely everything right with a diminished team throughout a whole tournament. So I doff my cap and the, I think the other week I said humble pie has never tasted, uh, it tastes bitter. And I would say humble pie has never tasted that sweet to me because I'm, I'm very happy for him. I, I made a fatuous point about Scaloni's attire. We should talk about him as a manager, right? Because I don't think many people have actually talked about him and what he's achieved here. And he has, he's, he's won the World Cup. That seems like the right thing to have done as a manager going into this tournament. <laughs> and the Copa America. Yes, it does. Well, I wonder if this will make up for the disappointment of his role in losing West Ham, the FA Cup, all those years ago. Take the edge off it. Yeah, might do. Well, for a while, it looked like his decision to remove Angel Di Maria from the field of combat was going to be one of those terrible, terrible, terrible decisions. And I was almost thinking, oh, God, send him back on again. I don't don't know if you're even allowed to do that. I think you are. But... uh, you're yeah. absolutely not allowed to do that. Are you not? No. Okay. <laughs> it's not rolling um, subs. It is it. It is it. Southern Amateur League. And and he's a bloke I don't still don't know a huge amount, but he's just coached uh, this Argentina team to win the World Cup, and they didn't have they had, they had to win this final on three separate occasions, basically. Yeah. And yeah, it's a good point. That's quite an achievement. And actually, Lars, they I think you said this in the WhatsApp group. They've improved through the tournament, haven't they? Yeah, every game. And I, I think he's done well in terms of there have been little decisions, like whether to start Di Maria in this game or not. That clearly was the right decision. I think suspect he was withdrawn early because he's not he's been a, he's had an injury, so he maybe wasn't uh, able to do more th- than he did. And it's 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 acknowledging that 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 and that Enzo in midfield uh, Enzo Fernandez should start it's acknowledging that Alexis um, Alexis McAllister should start like things like that are they there are decisions that seem obvious in hindsight but they weren't i mean this isn't the team they won uh, the Copa America with this isn't the team they started the tournament with uh, you know cha- changes had to be made adjustments had to be made and we forget how close they were to being in real trouble in the group stage you know, they, they they did lose against uh, Saudi Arabia and weren't great in that game. And really, sort of for the first, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at for for the first seventy minutes against Mexico, they had like three shots, and it was nil nil, and they were looking at one point from two games in the group stage. There's every chance they go home early if they don't get that goal, uh, the the Lionel Messi shot out of nothing against Mexico. So, uh, you know, it was. Um, it's, it's he's had to manage the emotions of that situation and he's had to make little tactical adjustments and and, and that's not that's not an easy thing he's, he's done a tremendous job hold on uh, i i don't know if any of you're watching this but leo messi has just been helped into some sort of transparent fifa ceremonial robe like the kind of thing you wear at a graduation i don't know if it's some sort of qatari dress or or robe or whatever but 
this is for the trophy lift. It's quite bizarre. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember. Please, people who know history better than me, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember an organizing country uh, putting some sort of additional garb on a player before the trophy lift before. Maybe whoever wins, lifts the trophy in 2026 will be forced to wear like a cowboy hat or something. Uh, like a... St- a Stetson and some cowboy boots and chaps. Maybe there's some sort of cultural uh, thing, yeah. Um, yes, cultural insensitivity aside, each World Cup saying, here's what the winner has to wear to collect the trophy. It's getting increasingly ridiculous, you know. Um, apparently Infantino... Norway Nor- Norway, 2032, <laughs> everyone wears a boonard. No exceptions. <laughs> Uh, anyway, look, that'll do uh, for the World Cup final. And uh, we'll round up any other business in part three. Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly, uh, which is sort of after the Lord Mayor's show slightly, isn't it? Looking back at Croatia beating Morocco 2-1. We don't need to spend too much time on it, Barry. Uh, apart, to, apart from to say... It's one of those games where everyone says it should be scrapped. It's pointless. Nobody wants to play it. But these two teams really wanted to play in it. Yeah, they both really wanted to win. And if they both want to play in it and really want to win and their fans are really invested in it, then it's probably a worthwhile exercise, even though I didn't have a huge amount of interest in it. Uh, I was in a pub. It was on. I wasn't paying a huge amount of attention, but it looked pretty good. Uh, A couple of good goals. And uh, Morocco's players got very angry with the referee uh, throughout and at the end of the game. And it's kind of sad that that's the last memory we have of them in this tournament after all they brought to the parties, snarling and getting in the referee's face and manhandling him. But uh, they clearly really, really wanted to win it. And uh, Croatia will be delighted to come third. Um continuing to punch above their weight and uh hats off to them but yeah it, it's 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 if you're not personally invested in it it's a bit of a non-event yeah i think i think so i think actually you know morocco were furious and some of the decisions may not have gone their way but i think croatia could have quite yeah, the big the biggest mistake was the penalty that croatia should have had that wasn't given and i really th- i mean they, they, it's been a great story we've rightly given them all the praise they deserved but their behavior towards uh, mr al yasim of qatar who refereed that game i thought was disgraceful and embarrassing frankly yeah i, th- I think i agree with that but they have been a credit to the tournament and uh, we should also mention luka modric right he was delighted to get that bronze medal philippe and uh, you know his last world cup and, and what a Glorious footballer. Yes, um, I, I, I think if we can have, a, we would have him in our eleven of the yeah, tournament. So. Luka Modric. Mm-hmm. I think I would have him. Well, I've got, I've got, I've got Pickford in goal. Then I've got, uh, I've got Shaw, Maguire. <laughs> okay, carry It's on. James Madison in your eleven. <laughs> yeah, no, James Madison. I'm bringing on with thirty seconds left. Uh, yeah, no, I think you would put Mod. Yeah. Yeah, I think no. You, I think Modric does get in. There was one game, maybe it was the Brazil game, where he was just utterly brilliant, you know. And that was their game, wasn't it? No, he, he caressed more balls with the outside of his right boot than any other player in the tournament. So therefore, for this reason alone, he deserves to be in the in the eleven. He was absolutely magnificent. But the the third the third plan uh, the you know this this weird game for some reason for some countries it matters an awful lot, and for some other countries it doesn't matter at all. So, which is one of the reasons why perhaps we should forget about it, because the emotional investment in that particular game is certainly not equal from um, from the two parties involved. But there you go. Uh, elsewhere, Gareth Southgate is uh, going to stay. Uh, the FA confirmed it uh, this morning. Um, he'll. Uh, we're delighted to confirm Gareth Southgate is continuing as England manager and will lead our Euro 2024 campaign. Said FA Chief Executive Mark. Bullingham, Gareth and Steve Holland have always had our full support. Our planning for the Euro starts now. Um, um, Barry, you're, you're obviously delighted, Barry. Um, I, I don't see that there's any point in removing him if there's no obvious candidate to replace him. I freely admit I don't think he's done the brilliant job many say he has, but it is an undeniable fact that he is... England's most successful manager since Sir Ralph Ramsey. And many, many parts of his job he does brilliantly. But I do think 
his his in-game management is questionable. But, you know, I, this is nothing I haven't said at least three times no. already in this tournament. So I should probably <laughs> throw it. And the last time we had this conversation, I thought me and Lars might have fallen out. I actually sent him a message <laughs> afterwards going, are we all right? So <laughs> uh, and we were fine. But, but Bar Bar Barry, adults can disagree <laughs> about things and still be friends. That's an incredible yeah. thing. So, um, yeah, I, I don't really have anything else to add on the on the subject. But I would add to that. I, I think I agree with every word Barry just said. Like, I, I think it's not... It's entirely fair to say that Southgate has done a really good job for England and that there have been moments where you can maybe, in hindsight, with 2020 vision, question some of his in-game, you know, tactical decisions. That's that's completely fair. I would just, to his defense, say that some of that stuff, like changing the culture of the team, creating an England team that players seem to look forward to playing for and that they feel in, empowered and enabled to, to play, play their best football for the England team, that cultural shift, I think, is very easy to underestimate since it uh, since it's happened a little bit a while ago and it involves a lot of like stuff behind the scenes that we're not really privy to. I think at the end of the day, the thing that should swing it is that the players really wanted him to continue by all accounts. Uh, I agree. And we win. I can't wait till we win Euro 2024. It'll be a glorious moment. I'll be so delighted. I've told you, Max, I think that um, the game against France, the quarterfinal, could be a, a genuine springboard, the equivalent of the unfair defeats which, you know, brought France to, you know, the front of, of the international game. I did once jump off a springboard and hit my head. As I was going down, as the Mark Spitz was that? Did Mark Spitz do that? Greg Luganis, I think it is you're thinking of. Yeah. And was it? Oh yeah, sorry. Anyway, so we will see, won't we? And you know, the chances are England won't win Euro 2024 because it's hard to win a tournament. Ah, look, uh, Paul Watson has just tweeted: World Cup boycott complete. Don't think I missed much. Um, <laughs> so you know, uh, we'll chat to Paul in the new year, no doubt. But look, that'll do for today's pod. We may well talk a bit more about the World Cup on our Christmas special. Me, Wilson. Uh, Barry and Bruin doing John Bruin doing that one uh, but for the time being thank you Lars thank you Max thanks Barry thank you thank you Philippe next time mate bad luck mm, thank you Max uh, Football Weekly was produced by Joel Grove our executive producer is Max Sands this is The Guardian 